Well, good morning. If you would turn to me to or turn with me to Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. That's going to be our primary text for today. Uh, however, we will also be in John chapter five, so you can put a uh, put a finger in that if you want to. I am looking forward to this year. I'm looking forward to the possibilities. I'm looking forward to opportunities. Um, I'm always looking forward to a chance to participate. Uh, and I kind of shared last week a little bit that one of the one of the one of the bad parts is when you don't get to you don't get to play the game anymore. And I think just one of the worst rules ever made is in in kids sports is the run spread rule. You know, so many runs and you just you call the game. I, I've been on the losing end of that, and I hate that. I want to keep playing. I want to keep. I want to keep going out there and, and and doing what we were there to do. I want to have the chance to continue in our context here. Continue to work. Continue to live. Continue to grow. Continue to talk. Continue to sing, teach, and all these wonderful things. And we have that opportunity. We have that chance this year, or at least we have that chance today. And we may have that chance tomorrow. I hope that we have that chance throughout this year. I am reminded as I look over our plan for this coming year, at least our plan of education and our plan of teaching uh, here on Sunday mornings, I am reminded of the walk to Emmaus. And you don't have to turn here, but uh, this, this passage a little bit later is going to be on your screen. There's two disciples, two followers of Jesus. And they've just experienced the death of Christ. They've just experienced the horrors of the cross. They've just experienced fear, uncertainty, confusion, all kinds of crazy stuff. And they're walking along, journeying along to Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, about six or seven miles, eight miles maybe. And as they're walking along, Jesus walks along with them. Now, they don't know it's Jesus. They're kept from seeing Jesus. This is supernaturally. They, they're kept from recognizing Him. And He walks along as they're walking along, and they're filled with grief, fear, confusion, uncertainty, all kinds of just, just crazy stuff. And He asks them, He says, what are you talking about? What are you talking They look at Him like He's crazy. You don't know? You don't know everything that's been going on. You don't know everything that's been happening. I mean, it'd be like somebody coming up to you and me right today and say, hey, well, what happened last year? Why is everybody just, just, just crazy right now? You don't know? Where have you been? And so they tell him. They tell this man who is Jesus. They don't know who he is. They tell him. They say, a lot of bad stuff's been happening. Jesus was just crucified, and we thought that Jesus was going to be the Messiah. We thought he was the one. We thought he was the one to usher in this new age of Israel. We thought he was the one that was going to lead us, that he was the one that was going to save us. Filled with grief, filled with uncertainty. As Jesus hears this, he says this in Luke 24, starting in verse 25. He says, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning Himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if going further. But they urged Him strongly, Stay with us. It's almost evening. The day's almost over. So He went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have an opportunity to see who Jesus is, to see what Jesus is. We thank you, Father, that we have an opportunity today, but as days go, to have our eyes opened to certainty, to hope, have our eyes opened to freedom and forgiveness, have our eyes opened to, to comfort in, in the heart and in the mind. Father, we ask that you be a part of this time as we look forward. We look forward with excitement. We look forward with gratitude and thanksgiving that we have an opportunity to continue to to live and to work, at least until the return of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for this day, for this moment, this time. In Jesus' name, amen. My hope is that as we go through this year, Our eyes will be opened. Our eyes will be opened to the truth of Christ, who He is, what He is, and what He means to us. That our eyes will be opened to the church, what the church is. All of these wonderful things from the very foundation of the church clear through eternity. And that we also will walk through this process. And so certainly during this time, some of us are going to learn some things new. Some of us are going to be reminded of some things. And this begins actually next week. We'll go into this in just a minute. But in Philippians, Paul writes this, Philippians chapter 3. He writes, look, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Now, this is Paul. This is Paul who's been taught by Jesus. This is Paul who's had this revelation from Christ, been taught by the Spirit. This is Paul who is a a missionary. This is Paul who's establishing churches. This is Paul who's been baptized into the body. This is Paul who has performed miracles. This is Paul who has the indwelling of the Spirit. And what does Paul say? He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. Even more than I do right now. I want to know who he is, what he is. I want to know what his life means to my life, what my life means to him. He says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection And not only that, writes Paul, he says, I want to participate in his sufferings. Why? Because the sufferings of Jesus brought about life for you and me. And so Paul says, I want to participate in that so that I might help bring about life to other people. I want to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. He wants the old person to go away. I want the old person to go away. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He knows that these things are certain. He knows that he has been given eternal life. 
He says, I haven't figured it all out. I don't know exactly how Jesus does all this stuff and God's able to even resurrect the dead. He said, but I'm going to be a part of that. He says, look, I haven't obtained all this. I haven't obtained everything that I'm trying to do. I haven't met these goals yet. I haven't arrived at my goal. What is this goal? This goal for Paul is this goal of ministry, this goal of being a missionary, this goal of personal sanctification. Purification in Jesus Christ. And even Paul says, look, I'm not there yet. Boy, I would think if there's, a, if there's a picture of anybody who's close to sanctification, if there's a picture of anybody who's met his goal in life, it's Paul. But even Paul reflects upon his life and he says, I'm not there yet, I'm still working towards it. I'm still moving forward through Jesus Christ. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That is life. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, this perfection, this sanctification. He says this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That prize is eternal life. That prize is forgiveness. Really what that prize is, is freedom. Freedom. Freedom from death. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the torment of sin. And then he goes on to talk to you and me. He says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. This forgetting what's behind, it's in the past. It's not going to happen again. All right? You don't have to relive what's already happened yesterday. Forgetting about that, I'm moving forward. If Paul's able to do that, you and I can do that as well. Don't forget, Paul started his career, essentially, persecuting the church. That's what he did. And if he wasn't physically involved in the murder of Christians, he was the one that allowed others to carry it out. In fact, gave his approval for them to be carried out. That's how Paul started. And Paul says, I'm forgetting about all that. I'm moving forward because of the incredible eternal forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ. He says, only let us live up to what we, uh, that which we have already obtained. That's righteousness. Righteousness is something that's given to you and I, and it's also something we live up to. He presses forward, presses on towards the goal. All right. That's part of the lesson. Let's get into the uh, let's get into the meat of this. Some of the some of the fun stuff, some of the exciting stuff. We have set goals in this church today. We are looking forward, looking forward. And most of you are familiar with the goals in this church. These five hundred, one hundred, twenty-five, zero. Over the past year, church, those goals have not been abandoned. That's five hundred people to be a part of this body, this family. 500 people to know what it is to love Jesus. 500 people to know what it is to have brothers and sisters sitting right here. 500 people to walk in this door and know that they are loved and appreciated. 500 people to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 500, 100, 100 people participating in this discipleship of Jesus. 25, this is our giving goal. 25 per capita giving and finally zero. Zero debt, no debt hanging over our heads so we can continue our ministry. And again, over the past year, those goals have not been abandoned, but they have been modified. They've been modified to suit the current climate. That's what everybody has to. I think everybody modified something over this past year. 
And if you didn't, you were probably one of those ones that the disciples were talking about. You don't know what's going on, do you? We've modified things all over the place because of this past year. God's direction in that passage in Philippians, that pursuing this, this goal, that moving forward in life, regardless of what the past is, is both internally in our hearts and in our minds, in our purification and our sanctification. But church, it's also externally in our service. I mean, can you imagine what the world would be like? It would be even worse if the first roadblock we ever faced, everybody gave up when it came to service. Everybody gave up when it came to loving others. Everybody gave up when it came to, to growing and improvising. What is it? Improvise, adapt, and overcome? Everybody just gave up when they faced the first hurdle. Paul says, I don't care what the hurdles are. I'm going to move forward. Do not let the imperfections or struggles of the past stop your perseverance towards the future, church. Don't do that in your life. Don't do that in your mind, your heart. Don't do that in your home. Don't do that in the church. Shoot, don't do that in any place else. Don't do that in your work or your play or whatever it might be, your relationships. Don't let the imperfections of the past stop you from moving forward, your perseverance towards sanctification, towards living up to righteousness, towards work in the church, towards work in the kingdom, more importantly, towards faith expressed in love. We're going to talk about faith expressed in love as we get into our series in Galatians later on this year. You will find that perseverance is most often, and I mean 99% of the time, perseverance is most often the difference between victory and failure. Between victory and failure, it's not being perfect. It's not being the strongest. It's not being the smartest. It's not being the clearly not being the smartest. It's not being the best. It's the one who chooses to get up, take the next step. So we've modified some of these goals, and 500 uh, is not one that's modified, but it's one that took a little bit of a hit. Before many things slowed down last year, we were serving at our peak in 2000, September of 2019, an average of 409 people per Sunday. That was, again, that was the average. And we were well on our way to have this family of 500 people continue to share life with each other and build the kingdom of God here in Russiavania, finding a place where they're loved and appreciated, various ministries they're serving in, and serving one another. And that's what was happening. People were talking, asking, inviting, growing, going. And we took a hit, right? Everybody took a hit. Hey, I've taken hits before in my life. I've taken hits like this. I've, take, I've, I've taken a lot of hits, actually. I'll be careful. Watch what I say. I'm not going to learn, am I? I've taken hits. And we took a hit. For some weeks, we literally had zero attenders here at the church, right? Seven weeks, eight weeks. Preaching. Preaching to an empty, empty auditorium. Actually, it wasn't empty. The worship team was here. I'll tell you, you know, I get it. If, you, if there's 150 people and one of you falls asleep thinking you're going to be hidden, but come on, it was just the worship team. And like three or four of them were out, you know? Nodding their heads back there. It takes a while, church, to restart the engine. And that's what we've been doing over the past few months. And that's what we're even doing over these next few months. This is not here in this church, whether it's this church or whether it's a church around the world, it's not an electric motor with an on and off switch. This is a diesel engine. Look, it's powerful, and it runs a long time, but it takes a while to warm up. 
That's just the way it goes. And this church is no different. But this goal of introducing people to the church, whether it's 500 or any other number, has not stopped. Church, that goal should never stop. It should never stop in your life. It should never stop in your mind or your home or your house or your workplace. We have a purpose. We have a mission in this world and in this life. And it is to do what we can to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ so the people around you will be saved, so the people around you will be set free. I want freedom. You ought to want freedom, and you ought to want freedom for yourself and your kids and your family and your friends to be set free. That church doesn't, or that, that goal doesn't stop. And by the way, this year is a great year to do it. People want to be back with the church. People want to see what the church is all about. Over the past year, we've seen, the world has seen, that so many things and so many philosophies can let us down. But Jesus never does. It's, it's fascinating how my worldview in Christ did not change one bit. Everybody else, there's a million people just kind of had to throw away their life philosophy and say, well, we got, we got to start over. I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this happening. Our philosophy in Christ didn't change. Not one bit. In fact, it's Jesus himself that says, in this world, you're going to have all kinds of trouble. Don't worry, says Jesus. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. We are teaching from the pulpit this year, Jesus Christ and him crucified throughout the year. We're doing an entire year of what you might call basic Bible doctrine or basic theology. We're going to pick it up, turn it up a notch in 2022. But this starts next week with the fall. The fall. We go clear to the beginning. The fall of mankind. And we're going to find that we start this human history going in a big circle from perfection back to perfection. That's the history that God has for His creation. That's the direction God has for His creation. Bring up, hey guys, bring up up January. Can you bring up January? January 17th, we start with the fall, but that's not without hope. That's not without hope. We even see the plan for Jesus Christ at the beginning. And then we look at the law, and then we look at salvation as we move forward. In fact, we get to see a picture of someone who relies upon God and then relies upon himself with pride and fear. And we see the destruction of this tragic figure's life in February. That's the fall of Saul. And we could could use this narrative as an incredible lesson in our life. The difference between following God... And following fear and pride and worry and selfishness. We are justified by Jesus Christ, church. And this is the message we spread to those who want to be a part of the church. We are not justified by what we do. We are justified by our faith in Christ. Look, nobody's perfect. We're going to go through all of these figures. And we're not going to look at the good stuff they do. We're going to look at the bad. And there's a whole bunch of bad as you look through all of those figures. And with every one of them, we're going to find that they are justified by what they believe in. They're justified by 
God Himself, by Jesus Christ and His forgiveness, not by what they do. I'm very excited then eventually we do get into this complete, this, this main sermon series in 2021 as we look at Galatians. Galatians, we find out that Paul gives us this most important thing, our job to live out. The only thing that counts when it comes to living out our faith in Jesus Christ. We can move on from there. There's I mean, just all kinds of amazing things we do. There's help along the way. As we go into our VBS series, we, we've talked about the armor of God before, but I'm excited about talking about the armor of God this year as it relates to our kids and what we're teaching them, what we're training them to do. This gives you a little picture of what our VBS theme is about this year. We get help along the way, church. This is the foundation that people need. It's the foundation that people need to be reminded of. We get, we get pictures into the church itself. In September, we go into Iceberg and how there's so much more to the church than just what we see here on Sunday mornings. And we look at the structure of the church. We look at the governing of the church. We look at church polity itself. Very exciting. And hopefully, the goal is to go from where we are to where we need to be in our minds and in our hearts to be reminded of some of these things. Next year, in 2022, we take it up a notch. I'm excited about this. We see Scripture through the writings of C.S. Lewis throughout the year. We also spend some time in a very difficult book, some people say, when in Romans. If you want to introduce someone to the church, now is the time. That's my point. Look around. Look around. Right now, the harvest is more plentiful than it has ever been, ever. And if we're not out harvesting, we're not ever going to be out harvesting. Now's the time. That's our job. That's our mission. We also had a goal of 100, or have a goal of 100. Look, Sunday mornings are great, church. Sermons are fantastic, right? It's just incredible. Sunday mornings are fine, and it needs to happen. It needs to be a part of that. We need to do that. But never once, and don't take my word for it, read through Scripture yourself. Never once is a half-hour message, sometimes longer, on Sunday morning meant to be the extent of our involvement in the growth in the kingdom of God. Never once is that meant to be the extent of it. We'll talk about, as I already mentioned, the armor of God this year, how it prepares us and how it helps us along the way. Church, if our involvement in the kingdom of God is a half-hour sermon, we're facing practically every week unarmed. Unarmed. And we wonder, we wonder why it's such a struggle. There is an opportunity to rekindle, to restart a fire in your mind, your life, your heart. Restart this direction. Restart this purpose, value, and ministry. And the Word of God offers Zippos to do that. So many of us are still rubbing two sticks together to start this fire. The point is to be involved. Be involved in training and fellowship. Discipleship groups fill this need. There's some fantastic discipleship groups, and I love being a part of it. But we've extended this. We've expanded this a little bit. Look, also, the things that fill this need. Sunday morning Christian education classes. Gary's teaching these things. Luke's teaching these things. Randy's going to be teaching these things. 
One-on-one Bible study is a great way to expand your knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. I, 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 I've got three of them per week right now. Church, I don't teach enough, okay? I don't teach enough. I've got three. There's seven days out of the week. I've got three. And we can sit down and we can go through the Word of God. Any question that you have. I've gotten, I've gotten some of the most incredible questions that are just so fun. From who wrote the Bible to what does heaven look like? I couldn't answer that one. But who wrote the Bible? Questions about history, questions about creation. Just wonderful stuff that we get to talk about. One-on-one Bible study, expanding your knowledge and understanding of the world, all while growing closer to each other, closer to your brothers and sisters. Teaching. Teaching is a great way to learn and to know and to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we can teach the lessons we have learned, the narratives we have learned through Scripture to, to kids who are being raised up to know who Jesus is. Let me tell you something. When I was six years old, being taught in the church, I wasn't led through Romans talking about election of those who believe in Jesus and what that means. I wasn't led through talking about premillennialism or postmillennialism or amillennialism throughout the revelation of Christ. I was taught Daniel in the lion's den. I was taught about the flood. I was taught about David slaying giants because of his faith in God. These are all things that we can teach These are all things that we can express. They're all ways in which we can raise and grow our children and our family and our grandchildren. These narratives are in Scripture for a reason, and we can lead in those ways. Financial responsibility. We have a teacher who teaches financial responsibility here at the church. Imagine being involved in that. Maybe there's something in your life that you need direction, you need help, you need a road map. Ashley and I have used this. We didn't use every aspect of it. We used a lot of it. And incredible blessings have been poured out because of it. He would love to take on a student that would go to John and say, hey, teach me so I can teach others, opening up even more avenues. You can have a discipleship group of two as you invite someone to meet over lunch or breakfast or come over to dinner. There's so many avenues to be involved, leading one from where they are to where they can be. This is discipleship, to come alongside and teach, to come alongside and spend life together. This year's Servant Series is hopefully going to take many people through this progression of being introduced to Christ, to Christ and then growing in Him. 25, 25. Now, here's a bright spot, okay? Here's a bright spot. Giving was good in 2020. I, I mean operating costs for the church. That's what we need. All right? we don't, there's not some body someplace else, you know, that injects operating money or anything else into this body. It's us. It's us. It's you and me. That's what we do. We were a little short, about $20,000 short of budget, but it was 2020. Could have been a lot worse, right? In fact, I am always, when I, when I think about this stuff, I've got to think about this stuff at least once a month. When I think about this stuff, I'm always in, in awe of the generosity with material that this church has. Before 2020, we were fast approaching this goal of $25 per capita giving. And again, an operate, it represents operating cost, growth, death, depth satisfaction. But it really represents generosity. And by the way, no small measure of faith and obedience. During 2020, we were above this goal regularly. But who can really gauge attendance from 2020? Or faithful attenders, for that matter. This year, we have modified this goal. And this modification goes beyond this year. 
From here on out, we want to know what it takes to be involved in ministry. From here on out, we want to know what it takes to grow the church. From here on out, we want to know what it takes every week in order to be faithful, in order to take joy in our giving. There's, I mean, just to give you an idea, there's a picture of last year. Go ahead and bring up uh, the first five months of last year. This gives you an idea between the operating cost, which is the blue line, and then the orange line is what we give. And we're never quite there, and it takes a long time. It takes a hard jump to get back and hold that line. Our goal is to hold the line. Our goal is to hold the line in 2021 and to use it effectively. Use it the way it needs to be used, to be able to give. We're reestablishing our benevolence here in the church so that we can give, so that we can help. There's people that need help. There's no reason we can't help them. Whether it's spiritually or financially or in service or whatever it might be. And we can help. This is what we use to operate, to grow, to minister, to give, to help. Our job is holding the line. This requires everyone to see and to ask, what can I do? What can I give? How can I hold the line? Again, this is everybody's responsibility with one stipulation. One stipulation. And I'm very serious about this, all right? I will confront you if I find you're doing this, okay? If you're going to give, time, treasure, or talent, I don't care which one, make it a joy in your life. If I find that you're doing it and you don't like it, I'm going to confront you. It is meant to be a joy. And I can't, it doesn't matter, time, treasure, or talent. It is meant to experience this chance to give, to sacrifice, to teach, to grow together. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be a joy in your life. Lost my place. It's a joy in our home. We see it as a challenge in our home. And finally, zero. We're starting to put together, church, believe it or not, the elders, and then this is going to move to the ministry staff and the deacons and so forth. We're, we're starting to put together a wish list in this church. And my mind just immediately goes to local ministries here in Russellvania, Logan County. My mind immediately goes to our children's ministry, our student ministry. We're starting to put together a wish list because we are coming down to the end of what we owe. We begin 2021 owing less than $250,000. Less, six years, five years ago, we owed over half a million dollars. Over half a million dollars, $600,000. And we start this year owing less than $250,000. It's because you give. That's because you give. And there's going to become a time and a point where that monkey is off our back and then all of a sudden these things just start going and moving. Everything that we have starts being poured into the lives of others instead of brick and mortar. It's a gift, okay? I don't hate it. It starts going into missions. In ministries. And this is where these things need to be. We talk about a light at the end of the tunnel. There will come a day also when we will do a big push. Might not be this year, but soon. And suddenly that monkey's off our back. Ministries, children's teens, missions, wish lists. It's very exciting. It's an exciting time. If we roll on as usual, we will satisfy our debt in 2026. But I think we can do better. We can do better. To give generously. It's used well. It's used responsibly. It's used the best way that we can. All of this. This personal sanctification. 
It's personal reflection and understanding of who Christ is. This service that we do to the church, to people around us, to the community, we need to do more. We need to do more. But all of this rests upon our minds, our hearts, as to what exactly we want to be involved in, whether or not it's something we desire. I want to close with this. Jesus heals a man. I want you to think about your, your walk, your freedom. I want you to think about your service. I want to think, you to think about accepting the truth of Christ. I want you to think about growing, maturing, and who Jesus is and what Jesus is. Jesus heals a man. In fact, in John chapter 5, we find this, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. There was one, verse 5, who was there and had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, the story behind this, the, the myth behind this, is that if you sat around this pool and there was something, you, you had an ailment, when the water was disturbed, right? Don't buy into stuff like this, okay? When the water was disturbed, those were healing angels in the water, and if you could get in there, then you could be healed. That was the myth. That was the story that surrounded this pool. There's a guy that's been there for 38 years. 38 years, and he couldn't get into the pool. 38 years, and nobody would help him. 38 years, because he was crippled. He couldn't move. He was, he was completely infirm. Jesus walks up, sees a guy who's been sick for 38 years. You want to know what Jesus asks him? Look at verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? One of the most ironic questions in all of Scripture. Basically, Jesus is asking, do you even want to do this? Do you even want to? What he's trying to tell him is, if you don't want to, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. Jesus is there, ready to heal. And what he demands of this man is personal reflection. Who are you? What are you? What do you want? Where do you want to go with it? Do you even want to be healed? It's not until the man says yes. That Jesus heals him. You see, it doesn't matter whether this is our sanctification, our growth. It doesn't matter whether it's our understanding of who Christ is. It doesn't matter whether it's our service to people that we love and that Jesus loves. It doesn't matter whether it's the continued growth of the church here and the church around the world. There's a point at which when Jesus is about ready to move and to act in church, You've got to be thinking about this in your own life. There's a point at which Jesus asks, what do you want? I've got power to do a lot of things, but I'm not going to do anything until you know 
what you want. In fact, there's a couple times in Scripture that he asks this question before he heals. And so that's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with that question. And I want that question to go around in your mind throughout this entire year, certainly as we walk from the fall through the redemption of mankind and then into the church and all of these wonderful ministries in which we can partake. What do you want? Do you even want to grow? Do you even want to get better? Do you even want to be healed? I've asked myself this question. I've asked myself this question in prayer time before. I've stopped mid-prayer and said, John, you're not even into this. You're not even, you don't even want this right now. What are you doing? It requires this reflection of the heart. This is what I want you to do throughout the year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunities you've given us, but we also thank you that we can be challenged as we move forward, as we, as, as we start again, that, 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 that we can have joy in our hearts, we can have peace, we can have desire, that we can have a goal to work towards, that we can reflect upon our own mind, that we can examine, as your servant Paul says. We can reflect and see what it is we want, where we want to go, what we want to do with the power that you've given us. We don't want to squander it. We want to use it to raise our family and our friends and our church to know what freedom is in Jesus Christ. Father, give us that desire. Before you give us that ability, give us that desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing.
out your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. tremendous gift that you give us here on Sunday mornings, Father, and we thank you for that. We thank you as we look around at brothers and sisters. We thank you that this is a group of people, not only here, but all around the world in which we get to join our lives together and share love and freedom and, and an absolute certainty for the future. Father, we ask that you challenge us throughout this week. Work upon our minds, our hearts. Help us. Give us this desire to be a part of something eternal, something lasting, something that shakes the very foundations of creation. In Jesus' name. Amen.